Good morning, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> if you've ever been told that, you know, calm and peace and bliss comes with seeing the truth, it's a load of BS, I'm afraid. The same, yeah, there's just, there's just, whatever way the personality plays, there's just that that will continue playing, and so be it. <clears throat> Trying to emulate or take on the the calmness, the serenity that's in Ravana Maharshi, or trying to trying to be kind, trying to practice these things. That's religion. You can leave it with religion. This is a different gig, huh? This is about seeing if mind can catch up with knowing what you really know to be the truth. Because you already know anything there is to be known, it's known. But it's not known by your intellect. And that's the thing, is that is that you, you want to know it. Something else wants to know it. So mind is just playing catch up. That's all right. Mind is just created by consciousness too, as part of this play. But if you only believe what your mind says, hmm, well then there's a bit of hypnosis running. And that can be kind of painful, huh? So what if nothing were to happen here at all today? Hmm? What if I was just to sit here and do nothing? for mine to chew on, except I paid my money, something should be happening here. <laughs> <laughs> you hear what so-and-so has to say? <laughs> and it's a week sit through all of that until all of that subsides. And still nothing happened. How strong would the resistance go, huh? If nothing were to happen ever again, things happen all the time, but when they happen to you, they're a lot more interesting. But if nothing were to happen at all ever again, would it be all right? Or does the resistance shout so loudly that the entertainment of life still has a lot of potency for you? And as long as that's of interest to you, that will continue. The individual you experiencing life, things happening to me, me getting it, me not getting it, me applying effort, me trying the effortlessness because, you know, whatever, whatever is the latest gig you're going to try. It, it's all going nowhere, you know, it's going nowhere. But as long as you want to be experiencing something, then that's of more interest to you than the falling away of that capacity to personally experience. That's what will be taken. <clears throat> the all about me center of the universe, the perspective where I'm at the center of my world and everything either impacts or doesn't impact and I have an opinion on everything. A personal opinion. A one that I own. Those opinions can be there, the perspectives can be there, but the personal perspective is just an insignificant viewpoint of consciousness. It stops being yours. It's like this Jack character faffs about and does her thing and, you know, I really, what I am, really, you know, doesn't even see her. Has no interest in her. There's no connection point between what I am and this Jack character. No connection point at all. <clears throat> what I am doesn't even know about this. About this planet. There's nothing minding me. It's just Jack character. It's just like a puppet. Just like another leaf on a, on a tree. It's just another creation. It's just another thing that appears to be independent because the objective mind would say that's an object and that's Jack and there's the label, therefore it's independent. But not so. It's just a bundle of, I don't know, flesh and bones that's part of a one huge energetic ball, blob, that we call creation. And within all of that is every dimension in past, future, the whole lot, anything imaginable. It's just one big mass of energy, you know? It's just one big mass of energy. But the capacity to, to view part of it only happens from inside it. 
You see, so so you, you, you can't see parts of it unless there is a part of it looking at a part of it. You know? And so then we have the ability to view from the personal perspective or from the body-mind, even when the personal perspective is gone, the body-mind will still view something. So it's like a part of something is looking at another part of it. And that's what makes the world work, you know? That's what makes us all communicate as individuals and talk about community and not community and in and out and I like and I don't like and all the rest of it. You know? <clears throat> so what if that perspective was to get wider? If the world wasn't seen through the body-mind as if that's how the world is? What if that perspective goes a bit wider? And it does a little bit actually with, with you know, what's called observation on the spiritual <coughs> path. Observing your thoughts. Okay, we get a wider view, huh? And there's an ability for mind to see it's to see thoughts without the thoughts being in and being glued to that perspective. So we can see thoughts. Okay. Let's go prior to that one. Let's shift your perspective back another bit. From the observation mode. You come back another bit. And there's a sense of like, well, I am. There's a sense of beingness, life, oneness. You know that one? That kind of kind of feels nice because in some way. Mind says, I'm a bit untouchable here. Oh, this is lovely, you know. It's all one. Actually, it's all love. It's all interconnected. And all this happy, clappy, new age vibe clicks in there very nicely. So it becomes about unity then, okay? So we get I am. Now then the amness is a bit sticky. Because the amness part of it is about being. Right? And so the amnes can fall off, and you're left with just the I. So what's that I? Are you with me? Yeah? Is making a bit of sense? All right. So you're back with the I. Now we've got the non-dual perspective. Hooray! Non-dual is better than dual, is it? Are you invested there? Is there a value system? <laughs> if there's a value system on the non-dual, it too will be wiped away. Just another viewpoint, that's all. Is it better to have a wider viewpoint than a narrow viewpoint? Hey, you can play with it and there's a buzz out of it because it offers some immunity, but lo and behold, the switch will come back in. Unless the, the, the seeing is true, for sure, you'll go back in and you'll be the one again having an all about me day. Yeah? <laughs> it's just a switch. <clears throat> so we're at the eye. The all-hallowed, non-dual viewpoint. So what's sitting there is existence. Unquestioned. Something, I know that something exists. Or even, it is known that something exists. Something is here. Presence. Awareness. Really? Really? <clears throat> it's just another viewpoint, actually. <clears throat> Do you really exist? Yeah. Really? How do you know? Or is it just given that there is existence? Is it just a given? <clears throat> Maybe it's just a feeling and a bit of conditioning, a concept, all accepted <clears throat> and never really examined or pulled apart. Because to do so might be a tad threatening for the one who thinks it exists. <laughs> Maybe existence itself is part of the programming that makes this whole thing seem real. That sensation of existing, if it's dependent on some sensory faculty within the body-mind, well, you know, it's dependent. Anything that's dependent on something phenomenal, that's not good enough. Let it be not good enough. Maybe existence is a myth, just like everything else, that it appears within the subjective perception. Okay, so if there's a willingness to throw out existence, let's throw it out. 
Can anything exist at all without it being perceived from within that which thinks it, ex it exists? <clears throat> Is there any sense at all of existence? Does it stand alone? Does existence stand alone? Or is it totally dependent on its perception within itself? Do you see? What to do now? Let's go from existence back. Now, in case I've lost somebody, I'm actually going to do... I'm just going to scribble this up. Okay. So all about me, my world, subjective perception, right? <coughs> mm, okay. Right, and then we've got observe. Observing the thoughts. And then there's this... I am, wider view. We're just getting wider, wider all the time. Then the, the andness falls off, and we're left with the I, which we can just call life, unity consciousness. This is kind of the beingness layer. Mm. Yeah, okay, they're kind of debatable, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and we allow a mystery to happen or something else that could fog over something. I remember as a kid, you know, I was already Catholic in rural Ireland, can you imagine? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I guess it was Carmen. Anyway, um, you know, everything was a mystery. It was like, but, 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 all the time coming out of this young one, you know? And I'm like, but it's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Well, I'll be damned if I find a real mystery in this world. And something is still is still saying, you know what, mystery? It stinks. It stinks. <laughs> and so, you know, if you come across a mystery, that's where you look. That's where you poke a hole. That's where you find out. Because everything has actually been created by, by concepts anyway. So we're using a conceptual mechanism to unravel concepts. You think there's a concept that your mind can't unravel? <laughs> you know? Don't worry, it's all there. We've created it. All we're doing is backpedaling. It's like we're just kind of rowing back on soft stuff that was just, I don't know, like downloaded, like a piece of software. And it's like unravel it, unravel it. Alright, so let's go from existence back. Unravel existence. So you get that it can only be it can only be sensed from within the movie. That it's dependent on whatever. Some kind of sensory thing, some willingness to accept that it exists. Alright. So up here. The first movement would have to call consciousness. Okay, so how do we get from consciousness to existence? It went, so the first movement ever was the birth of consciousness, alright? So the ability to be conscious in some way was starting to evolve. With consciousness itself, what, what, mm, some part of you can know this, and that's what I want to talk to. It's like consciousness talking to consciousness about consciousness. Let's forget about people and Jackal people and all the rest of conferences and everything. But something, consciousness talking to consciousness about consciousness, okay? How did that come about? What gave rise to that? If you... <clears throat> okay. Nothingness, emptiness, if you need a visual, white fog. That's just to keep mind happy. 
Okay? Uh, just, just spaciousness. But prior to space itself, because space is a concept, so we're just giving it to mind in order to give it something to chew on because it likes to be busy. It likes to grasp something. So we just play a game with mind. So the part of you that's not mind, the part of you that's consciousness itself, the first movement that ever was had to be part of the movie. The first movement couldn't actually come out of nothingness. There's no link place between nothing and, and movement. There can't be. Because then if there was really a movement that came out of nothing, the void, whatever you call it, beyond all of it, if there was a movement that came out, then it would intrinsically be part of it. And time and space would be attributed to the nothingness. You see? Because it would have come out sometime. Oh, at the start of time it came out. Actually, if it did come from the nothingness, if it did, then there is a, something in the nothingness that created something, the first movement. How can there be something in the nothingness that created the movement? Never the twain shall meet. They can't meet, because otherwise you bring the nothingness into, into the world. You see? Because we objectify it and we control it and we want to understand it. And it has been reduced then to the limited tool of mind. It's like, hold on, hold on. Let's go back to the tool of consciousness itself. And let consciousness be the tool which unravels itself, rather than mind. All right? You need to separate the two here. So, <clears throat> nothingness void, untouched. It's known, but put, even put these words and it reduces it to something phenomenal. And that's even a, too much. It's just too much. <clears throat> so the nothingness, in and of itself, fine. It appears that there was a movement. Just that there was a movement. It appears that there was a movement. There can't have absolutely have been a movement because the absolute belongs to prior to it. Outside of it, beyond it. Not it. <clears throat> so the appearance of a movement. And the movement appears to have in some way initiated an awareness that there was a movement. That's the birth of consciousness. Because, it, because the movement itself was consciousness. If the movement wasn't consciousness, there wouldn't be an ability for it to be aware of the movement. And the whole point is awareness. That's the whole point. So, and everything, and somehow, the, you know, it will always be, awareness will always be deemed as something kind of critical to being human. Because, because that was the very start. That's the essence. That's the nature of consciousness itself. Awareness. So, <clears throat> where was I? Over here. Okay. <clears throat> so the first movement is consciousness itself. As it moves, it, it has an ability to be conscious of itself. Self-consciousness arises. Because if consciousness is birthed, as part of a movie, albeit, if consciousness is birthed, what can it be conscious of? It has to be conscious of itself, because there, before there is a subject-object and something to be aware of or conscious of. So in it being conscious of itself, we've got self-consciousness. We've got the idea that it exists. Lo and behold, if I'm conscious of myself, it's assumed that I exist. Because to be conscious of anything, what's, what's, what's thrown in there besides pure consciousness? Consciousness of itself? To, be, to move from consciousness to being conscious of itself, there must be something existing. The idea that something exists must be a given. Do you follow that? Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> it's fun to talk to people who are... Who are <coughs> Coming from the intellect, because uh, it's entertaining. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, it's actually, you know, because self-consciousness is a word that's used kind of in, in another <coughs> context, uh, it's like, it's, uh, let me think, let's call it self-reflection. 
like a mirror type of reflection. Something can see, it's like the movement, the movement caused something to be aware of itself, and it's like it mirrored back in itself. And this is where we get the idea of a screen, that everything happens on a screen. This is the screen, no? So consciousness is the screen, and, and every movement is reflected back on it, and that's how come it becomes conscious of itself as a movement. All right? And so the assumption is something exists. Assumption of existence. Prior to here, really. Prior to here. Don't stop until it's prior to here, until that makes sense. Don't stop. As if you can start and as if you can stop, but this is the language, huh? <laughs> A lot of people hang out, you know, hang out in different areas, you know. So down here, okay. So at some point, at some point, duality kicks in. <clears throat> so we go from the first movement down and something exists, and then there's unity, right? And then there's the inclusivity of everything. Okay, that perspective is at play. And then existence comes in full, and I am, right? And in this, we've got like, with, with, with I am, with beingness, we have time and space really solid. And from here, we begin to see, okay, here also we can have just the subject. But it's starting to break into subject-object. Because here, we have duality. Where I, where some something has a capacity to see something else. This is the dense. This is the most dense duality. Where the perspective is duality as a hypnosis, really. Hmm. Where there's no seeing at all that duality is a play, but you're buying <coughs> the story. You're just buying it. You're in there. <coughs> all right. So, so duality, and then seeing the dualistic play. So, if you go back from this. Let it be seen that there is something that, there is a mechanism of mind that splits pure subject into subject-object. All right, so we've got subject-object. There's, there's, there's you and there's me, okay? So there's a, whatever. there's a Derek and a Gary and a, a Sherry and there's a Jack, all right? So we've got me and you and, t and two. There's a seeing that there's a Derek and a, a, a Jack and a Gary, all right? Maybe there's just the subject and that these are just components, like an octopus having eight legs, and one leg is talking to another, you know? I say, hello, hello, and you know, after a while, if the two legs keep talking to each other, they'll start believing that they actually, well, I don't like the way you kind of curl around the back, actually. Why don't we just play and have fun in front? Well, it's, it's like these legs of an octopus start believing that each one is independent, you know? The personalities get richer and richer, and investment happens in them. But really, there's just a freaking octopus, you know? So this is how it happens, this subdivision, investing in the ideas of a, of a division within that which has no division at all. So, so pure division, believing the division, seeing the division. Back here, actually there's only the subject. Now, if there's an identification with, with the subject, then it will feel all lovely. That's fine, but don't take any juice out of it. Do you know? It's, it's nice to have up that objective perception, but just see, that's a drug, actually. That's a drug. Don't <coughs> hang out there. Don't build your, your house there. Any attachment to anything? Well, you might as well be down here and attached to the next, whatever, cigarette. You know, might as well. Okay? So back here, the micro can happen at every level. It's full in thing, all right? So, okay. So, so when there's only the subject, there's interconnectedness. There's an, a seeing that there's unity everywhere. There's an inclusivity which, which kicks in, which has kicked in and will be about to go. So here, we've kind of got non-duality, haven't we? Because where is there two here? This is where non-duality is at its densest. Okay, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it here. So back here, 
We've still got the non-dual view. Just got life itself. There's something very kind of pure. Something, you know, it feels pure, untainted. Mm. And, you know, I was, I was talking to Canella last night, you know, and we just mentioned, it just came up about well, the sacred. Where, where is the sacred now in the contemporary movement of non-duality? And, you know, just, just touching on a conversation of, is it, is it housed, like, or was it part of the religion and the spirituality which, which kind of protected and brought non-duality until we could actually well, discover a mechanism to, to, to spread the word, you know, in our cultures. So along comes the internet. And maybe the sacredness. <coughs> yeah, that's, that's what worked out. So that's, that's our way of communicating. So, so the sacredness, the sacredness is an energy that's here, that's at the pure eye level. Sacredness is there. Devotion is there. Those, those frequencies, they're frequencies. But, but, but to lose them or deny them, you know, let it all be there. Let it all be there. Don't chuck out anything. So in the sacredness of pure life itself, or the I itself, that feeling of life force, of vitality, of, of what is, you know, we could stick, mm, mm, isness is kind of in between the two. It's kind of, it's kind of what, okay. <coughs> okay, isness is, the, is what comes from this, into I am, because then we have the verb, to be, huh? So, <coughs> So with kind of purity, the sacredness of the pure eye, go prior to that, because prior to that, okay, all right, now we're into dangerous ground, now we're into kind of heading towards thinning out of the non-dual. Examine existence, huh? do yourself a favor, examine existence, find out if, if you know, you, you, you know you're not who you think you are, or at least you get glimpses of it at times, because otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here. <laughs> All right. So, so then the fact that, well, I am or I exist, it's like, really? Really? Check that out, huh? Because that's just a product of, of a movement from here. That's all it is. It's just a byproduct of a movement from here. So everything, every, every perspective in this crude... <laughs> Diagram. Every perspective has its play. So what, what I'm pointing to now is in... I want to use a different colour. Back at the frequency of where there's just the movement itself, consciousness itself. From here, we can say there's pure perception. I'm going to talk of perspectives now, right? Okay, so at this side... We've got pure subjective, percep subjective perception. So subjective perception on objective perception. All right? So you can just see it from there. Okay. So here, we, this, it takes this long to actually move through all the layers till you get back to where there's just pure perception. The reason being that pure perception does not... Because it's consciousness itself, there's no objectification happening yet. Because in order for something to, to be an object, in order for anything to be objectified or named, there must be a sense that it exists. So we have to do a leap here before something is actually seen. So, so what, with pure consciousness itself, how does pure consciousness itself perceive anything? It doesn't perceive anything. There's nothing to be seen. Nothing. Because the subject-object division that co creates diversity hasn't kicked in yet. You see? So, so here, the pure perception, by definition, what it is, is per it's the verb perceiving alone. I before you accept after see. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if there's something, something being perceived, we've got existence already in place and something is taken to be real. If there's somebody looking at something, we're down here, where we've got duality has kicked in, and we've got a triad. I perceive something. So, so the something, get rid of one something, the objectification of seeing that is separate from me. That's just a labeling mechanism, huh? The table is separate from me because I'm labeling it as table. 
So something objectifies, mind objectifies the label, the, the table, so we've got a separate thing. Actually, it's just a piece of energy. It's the same as the freaking car button, unless I want to see difference, you know? And there was a time, you know, when you peel back, you know, it's in what the bleak do we know? Or I remember it in my history books in Inches are followed that. About 15 years old, I don't know if the education system is here, but there's some big public exam we do at 15, the first big public exam. And there was, a, there was a, a story, and I can even see the history page where it was. It's like this one, ta-da, some kind of, something rattled. You know, you get those moments, and you don't know what is resonating, because you don't have the language of the exposure, but something knows. And it was about um, the Spanish discovering South America. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I don't know, Vasco de Gama or something was this guy's name, I think. And, and what was written in the history books when they came back and told the, the king of Portugal or Spain or whoever the explorers were on that particular expedition. <coughs> the locals saw two-headed, six-legged beings. That's what was recorded. That something arrived in, arrived on the shore that had six legs and two heads. There was no sense that there was a man on top of a horse. They'd never seen a horse. They hadn't seen men of, of the skin of a different color either. So the whole thing was like, what the heck? So all they could do was make out that it was one big, uh, one big being. And that's the story going back. You know, because, because there was nothing that labeled horse and man of a different, different culture, different race. You see? So this is how we do it. This is how we do it. Or what the bleep do we know? Do you know that movie? Yeah. You know, when um, it took the wise man to go down to the seashore to see the ships coming in. Nobody else could see the ships that came in. That's how it works. We don't see things, we don't recognize them, we don't have them until until the labeling is in place. Did somebody speak yesterday? I think it was yourself, Shayla, was it? About, about somebody said something and then and then it became your experience. Was that? So, uh, it's gone, it's gone. Anyway, it's just a little tenuous line of like, where it popped up yesterday. That, you never know what something is. You don't know what a headache is. And then all of a sudden somebody explains what a headache is. And it's like, Jesus, I get those. And then, and then there's ownership and then it kicks in. This is kind of a phenomenon, huh? So the more we objectify, we're creating something as real. You're bringing it into your reality as you objectify. That's the mechanism, huh? So, so the objectification, it's not at play here. It only kicks in here in this, at this perception. So... Perceiving itself, let that prevail, huh? Let that prevail so that there's perceiving. There can be, after existence, there can be you perceiving, but you're perceiving nothing, because everything is the same. Because we've got the unity from existence right down to here, we've got this unity consciousness. So there's me looking, but it's all the same, same. Now, that's often misunderstood as equanimity. That's not equanimity at all. That's kind of kindergarten equanimity. Right. You're looking and it's all the same. Well, it's the same, same if I eat or if I don't eat. Yeah, it's the same. If you eat or you don't eat, there's a phenomenal difference, but really it's the same. There's a knowing that it's the same. So that, that's fine. But there's somebody there who's perceiving same, same. So we're actually, we've got two parts of the triad. So we're moving towards this, not towards this. We're moving towards the denser part because there's me looking at something. I'm just switching off. The, the thing that creates objects out there, but I'm hanging on to the little object called me, who's doing the perceiving. You see? Yeah? Jack, so in the perceiving, there's really no experience, is there? No, there's no experience. Because I've been noticing that if, I, if there really is no uh, cognitive labeling going on at all, there, there's actually no experience. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It can't register, because there has to be two to have an experience. And there must be time to have an experience, because there must be a before the experience and the experience in order to, in order to, to register an experience, there must be a difference from the experience, some kind of a state that doesn't have the experience, because, because experience is difference, isn't it? You know, if you have an experience of, of drinking a cup of coffee, there must have been, you might must be able to compare before the cup of coffee to have the experience. Otherwise, otherwise it was the same, same and nothing happened at all. So I'm not there. Perceiving, I'm not there. Correct. Correct. As, as pure consciousness, you're not there. But you're there as pure consciousness. All right. I know, but... Yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of like... Yeah, I mean, so what? Yeah. So how do we live right here? Because... In the, 
gitu. Well, <laughs> okay. What, what comes up is fear. Aha. Because if, if it's just the perceiving, and I'm not there, but something is still there that's perceiving. Yes. But it's not me. Yes. But this something. Uh huh. Cool. If I say something, it's me saying it. <laughs> so I can't go further. Okay. It's freaky. Yes. It's fun though, huh? Fun is something I know. <laughs> okay. So I can't go for the fun part. Right, and I'm back. All right. Okay. All right. This is fun too. I'll show you how. Yeah. <laughs> the fear comes when this is threatened. It's existential fear. This is the biggie. This is why people don't go here. Because the fear of not existing is like, whoa, below your circuits. But, but fear is just a frequency. No big deal. It's all just a frequency. But when you make it a story and a threat to this guy, the me, the subjective me, okay, now, now it's got impact and it's an experience and I don't want it. And we were into subject-object, the dualistic perspective. I don't want that. I want to exist. I, I feel fear. Bingo, we're in. We're in the story. But all that's happening is that this frequency, all these other ones are no problem. But when we hit this one, whoa. <laughs> this is existential fear. That's just the frequency there. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, I think I'm following you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and my, my, ex my experience of it is that it feels very comfortable to be in that witnessing place, witnessing the existence, which I think I'm understanding that to be where you're saying self-reflection. If you're witnessing, you're down here. That's, is that so? Yeah. <laughs> because if there's something watching something, I think I just jumped on the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a hierarchy. If I had a monitor board or if I was able to do a PowerPoint, I'd do it another way. But there is the hierarchy. Then I'm really not following. Okay, all right. So what mind will do is it will use its observe, it will bring what I'm saying into a concept in order to keep it in the safe zone. Nice. That, that's, that's what it does. It's got two options. It's either like hit off against existential fear, or it's going to just bring it all down here to where, to where it's in control of it, and it can use it as a, as, as a theory. It's all right. It's not to do with you. It's just the mechanism of mind trying to protect itself, trying to keep the show going. Yes, I understand that. Yeah. Okay. So, so the self-reflection... Uh, okay, what, what, okay, then I'm just going to put another layer on top of it. <clears throat> yeah, it's not too safe. All right. Identification happens at every layer of this, but the identification has a different feel at every layer of it. This one can bring suffering. The all about me can bring suffering. Then there's a, you know, a, a temporary <sighs> distance from suffering. All right? And as it comes back and, and understanding comes and the perspective widens, okay, this is kind of nice. But again, we can pop back into this until it seemed to be just another filter of perception. So identification with one who exists, that's what I'm rattling here. Right? So, so to protect itself, it's going to try and see existence. But actually it's existence itself. Being existence itself let the identity of existence itself show itself to you. Right, great, great, yeah. So it's, if there's me being something, we're down here. If there is existence itself and you're oscillating at the frequency of existence itself, there's no I, there's existence itself working through your form. All right, that's what I'm talking about. Don't bring your I through all this, that's an academic exercise, I'm not interested in in intellectual stuff. It might sound intellectual, but it's not really. It's just frequencies, you know? That's all it is. So, so existence itself pulsates as a frequency through a physical form. 
end of story. Yeah. And it will bring up fear, and fear pulsates through the physical form. End of story. What's actually under threat? Oh, let's bring it down to the knee and let me be under threat. Now, now uh, 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 then we go again and we're down, pulled in the dualistic perspective. You see? All right. So, so identification happens at every level, but it's not the me identifying. You see? And, and we've always kind of said, well, identification has to do with, uh, you know, if, if I'm identified with thoughts, well, then I believe in the me story. It's like, hold on. Identification is a great word. Identification itself is fine. All of it is you. All of it is you as consciousness. There is no consciousness outside of you. You're all of it. You're all of it, you know? And just because all of it has the capacity to, to, to pull in a perception which sees parts, well then those parts have the capacity to see themselves as parts. And the part that sees itself as a part has the capacity to believe that it's part. Bingo, we've got me. All about me. That's identification. There we go. That's how it works. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't it just... I mean, how could you dream that up? But you did. But you did. And you do in every moment. Did you see the fantasticness of it? That's the fun. Wow. It's great. So, so pure identification itself. Not me identifying with my story. That's, that's identification with the filter of duality. The non-dual, with the non-dual filter, we've got identification. Identification is a happening. Identification gets turned on, gets turned off. All right? So prior to that, you as existence. Existence itself drops the you. Existence itself can only be known through the physical form, through the percepting, perceiving body-mind organism. And so we come right back. Uh, pure consciousness itself. Pure consciousness itself, in its fullness, pulsates in the body-mind that is you. Because it can't leave its own nature in its own creation. Because if it could leave its own nature totally in its own creation, then diversity really would create difference. There really would be separation. There really would be separation. But there's only separation from within the perspective of the thing that thinks it's cut off from the whole. You see? So separation is only valid for a little while if you're running that program, if that filter is in place. Yeah? I'm just thinking along the lines of stage two recovery and getting trapped in the idea of just existing, like I'm just existing with not possessed, or is that because I'm trapped at the bottom? I'm just trying to clarify. Yeah, that's an overlay of I'm existing. Yeah, that's down here. That's me without... So I, I, I don't know what stage two recovery is, but I'm just making assumptions what you're saying. It's basically like you're sober, but you're not sober, right? Like uh, it's almost like dry drunk. You're not happy. Or not, like, yeah. Saying yeah. Those experiences happen a lot. If I look, look at the wider and then I come in. Those experiences happen a lot. Um, uh, experiencing both sides of the same coin. That happens a lot. Um, uh, for somebody who's, who's, who's kind of on this path. And what's useful is like, okay, so I was a drunk sober and I'm a dry sober. Let the experience of both be had. But they're the same coin. One isn't, one, there's no movement out of it. There's just having and there's have not. It's the same thing. Now, phenomenally, okay, you've got to go in there and there's all other stories in there. But, but to see it from, from a wider perspective, they're no different. I'm with and I'm without. But this, there's still me and a substance. Me and a substance. I'm taking it here and I'm not taking it there. Yeah. Um. Same frequency. You see? Yeah. The existential fear, mm. it seems that it's um, about wanting to hold on to the physical existence. But it, I've been curious about that lately because if someone, people kill themselves, right? So it feels like the, the actual fear is something bigger than that. It's a, it's a fear of losing existence, not just... Yes. Not just this. Oh, it's not dependent on the physical form yeah. at all. Yeah. It can be interpreted on the physical form yeah. if I am the body is running. Yeah. If that belief wasn't seen through, 
Yeah. If somebody hadn't gone into the oneness and the interconnectedness of everything, they'd be killing the body and that would be the end of it. Yeah. But, but once unity is seen in the interconnectedness of everything, it's existence itself. It's completely independent of the physical form. So, so its identification with the body runs here and then starts to thin out. And then this is identification with the frequencies themselves. Frequencies themselves and identification with consciousness itself because just being consciousness yourself. This one will always stay there, and, I, and this, is, this is why I, somebody told me this, I didn't read it, so I'm assuming it's correct. <laughs> that's, that's the, not that the written word is anywhere, but you know, I know where to quote it from. Anyway, <clears throat> that, you know, the Buddha said that the Buddha never walked the earth. Something like this? Hmm? I, I don't know. Anyway, that, <clears throat> that self-realization is still a dream realization. It's, it's still a dream. An awakening is a dream awakening. It's still waking within the dream. It's still a friggin' dream. Like, why we've got a hand up there is like, that'll die too, you know, that kind of the hierarchy that's attached to it will die. It'll have to die, of course. You know, it's just a different perspective. That's all. These are just different perspectives that are at play. <clears throat> so, so, as long as consciousness is turned on, Whatever is, manif is manifesting as consciousness within the oneness of all that can be is still dream material. The finest it can become is being pure consciousness itself, where there is nothing seen, where there is no subject-object, where there is only the subject, and that's as pure as we can get, pure perceiving, where there's nobody perceiving anything. Okay, so the body's gone and the subject-object is gone. But that identification with consciousness can only go with the body. The thing is, at that stage, the body falls off and the whole show is over. And, and it's often, you, you know, you can kind of smell that like in Nisargadatta or, you know, or even around Maharshi, just a willingness for the body to let, let, let the freaking thing die off. Because, because that perception of being consciousness is then subject to the body. There's no identification with the body, but consciousness itself is using the body to keep the, the, the TV turned on. You see? Mm -hmm. So at what point along the continuum do you think death occurs? I mean, there's so many different, and nobody knows. Is there self-reflection? Is there consciousness of any kind? I, I mean, I'm just curious about what your opinion would be, or if you have an opinion. A, a death? What kind of death are you talking about? Oh, physical death. Physical death. It depends, it depends what thoughts are running. At the, it depends how much you've blown through. So if there's an awful lot of identification still there, that's just an energy. If there's an awful lot of me and my story and, and suffering is real and I want this and I should have had that and I regret this. If all those I stories are running, that energy is going to find resolution somewhere. It'll either break up and get picked up by other people. You know the way you pick up, God, that's not mine. And I feel, I feel something that's not mine. It's like, yeah, it can be somebody who died. It can be somebody who's passing by. It's all the one mess of energy, but we have this ownership thinking that's not mine. It's like, really? What's not yours? Do you know? But phenomenally, it's yours. It's in your body. You've got to do something about it. So allowing for all of them. So, so if there is a lot of identification running at the time of death, stuff that hasn't broken down, it has to go somewhere. Now, if the idea that there is one individual is very strong, then it's easily accepted that there is reincarnation. And I pop out, and I pop in, and I pop out. Actually, you know, it's not glued together so tightly at all. It breaks up. It breaks up. There's parts of things that reincarnate, parts of things that go into the atmosphere, parts of things that just need to be separate from the physical body in order to dissolve. But energy will keep moving and transforming from one shape to another. You see? So for everybody it's different. It depends what's running. Yeah, along the same lines. That is a newborn baby start up in the upper right or in the bottom left. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it, it, it depends. It depends. Uh, the, the capacity for this is the strongest. The capacity for, for consciousness itself to remain as consciousness itself is there. But we still live in, in, in you know, we're really in the dinosaur age. We really are. We're, we're so primitive, it's hilarious. And, and what we do is we believe that we have to give somebody an ego and conditioning in order to, you know, in order to live in the world and cope with it, we just do it, you know, it's, it's fine, like nothing is lost and nothing is gained, but it's just how we do it. So, so a baby comes in and they're sponge-like, you know, that's, that's part of it. Why are they so sponge-like, you know, that, and, and when babies come in and they're not so sponge-like, you know, 
if the ego wasn't needed to be formed, and it's pretty, you know, it takes for six or seven years before it's really consolidated, if all of this could evolve a little bit, and it will, it will evolve a little bit, um, if it evolves hugely, then a kid won't be sponge-like. You see? That stuff will already be intact. But there seems to be this, this, this cycle of like pure consciousness itself and very prepared to go right down here and develop an ego in order to enjoy the movie, in order to let experiencing happen. happen. So the thing is, like, you know, if, if you were born and there was no capacity to experience anything at all, there's no movie. So what's the point then? So maybe when I'm talking about, you know, if, if, if a baby came in with, without that susceptibility to create an ego, there would be no uh, movement towards engaging or towards having a subjective life. And, you know, what's the harm? So, you see, so is it better? Is it better? But I think consciousness is going to move, is going to move in that direction, that we're not so porous when we come in, you know, to create something, you know? And they mm -hmm. even know now, like, okay, the, D the DNA has, has a certain wiring, but there's a protein around the DNA, which, which actually will bring your grandmother's anger, will bring all these things that you think, I picked that up, or it's in my family tree or something, it's like, actually, it's in your protein. Do you know? It really is. It's, it's physiologically there. Science is catching up and helping us to see, like, you know, there's no mystery. There's no mystery in any of this. Right? So, Jack, though, uh, though, in the end, though, consciousness has its own limiting aspect to it because it's almost like there's an absence or something from which consciousness emerges. And uh, there, so in the, in the long run, we're stuck, we're still a little bit of a mystery because out of absence, consciousness comes to play. Yes. Yes. It's like. Another way to say it is that this is a pattern. It's, it's a scientific pattern. that It's just a pattern that emerges. And, and we're trying to understand the pattern from within the pattern. But if we use the pattern itself to see the pattern, instead of something within, if we use the pattern itself as the tool for analysis of the pattern, ha! God, that'd be fun. You see? No. Can a pattern arise from something? Or is there just a pattern? You see, there's an appearance of a pattern. And if we join up the nothingness or even absence in order for this to be here, we've already brought in dualism. But dualism doesn't come in from down here, remember? So, so let's look at the pattern itself rather than something within the pattern to see the pattern. So now what happens? So mind will say it's a mystery. If you look from in here, then it's a mystery how consciousness came out. But something knows it, and I have yet to find words for it. When I find words for it, it's like... I've lost it again, I've lost it, I've lost it again. But somehow it's known, and, and it's, it, there's, nothing, there's nothing different about any one of us, actually. So, but there, so there is a knowing. If the knowing is here, then it's everywhere. There is a knowing that, that the, the pattern of consciousness is the dream itself. It is the dream. Did it come out of any condition? It didn't, because that's the dualistic viewpoint. That's all that is. That's mind imagining. It must have come from something to something. You see, without using that dualistic perspective at the beginning of, of, of time, of movement, it's actually fine. There is that movement which just happens to be the dream, a pattern appearing. <clears throat> I have notes. What should I give a look? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, even, yes, which is something that just might add on to what Gary was pointing towards there. The data that's here in this original pattern is the same data the whole, the whole time. It just has an overlay, an overlay of diversity because different filters of perception kick in. Make sense? All right? So at some point, a filter comes in which says cause and effect is real. And it's just a way, you know, when linear time is accepted, uh, when subjective me, I am in the world, and I can be impacted on something because I have the capacity to experience. When all of that is accepted, cause and effect 
cause and effect is absolutely running. So cause and effect kicks in around when, when subject-object, when objectification happens, mm -hmm. right? When there's me labeling something. In here comes cause and effect. That's a very interesting point. It's worth kind of, I don't know, if, if you're into energy work, you, you, you know, you'd be able to kind of, if, you, um, all right, if, it, if you're into energy work, or if it made sense to you how this lady was talking about existence itself, there isn't me existing, it's the frequency of existence itself. If you, can, if you have that ability to kind of tap into universal something or other, universality, uh, for example, if, you, if you've ever had the experience of feeling the sadness of the world, or feeling the grief of the world, feeling the suffering of the world, not to do with you at all, but this universal, universal frequency of, of an experience runs through you. There's a few nodding, okay. All right, so, so that, that's because you're, you're, you're oscillating. Something within your level of consciousness is oscillating at the same frequency. It's all just energy anyway. Oscillating the same frequency of that universal energy, right? So that universal energy, if you've got an I story running, you will make that universal energy your story, your frequency. Because that universal energy is going to seek expression. The only way it can seek expression is through the personal. Because then you register the experience. Consciousness can only register experience through I'm the one having, having the experience. You see? <clears throat> so, so when cause and effect comes in, this is, this is really duality getting very solid. Because as cause and effect comes in, we have this causes this. Therefore, there is an advantage if I do this. Now we have desire. Now we have I want and I can't live without and now bleh. Outrules the, the, the suffering capacity. It's just, it's literally a frequency. It's an energetic line, a, a, a layer of perception. And if you can't see that it's a layer of perception, you're going to be a victim to it. And you will be, forever be, be, I don't know, well, forever until it's seen. Huh. That, that if I do something, there is an advantage or a disadvantage. Everything I do has an impact. And, and the thing is, like, there can be absolute resonance with consciousness itself, and you can jump over these. And, and, and some people do that, that they're not kind of, I don't know, that they didn't see how the matrix works. But I don't know, for the Jack character, it was like, come on, come on, come on, show me how this works, show me how this works, you know? Whether it's a, you know, a Lego house or a consciousness itself, doesn't matter. If you see how the matrix works, it can't fool you anymore. Just can't fool you anymore, and somehow that brings freedom. <coughs> so different stages, like glimpses, glimpses come of of you're not you're not who you think you are, and we get a glimpse. All right, so consciousness is just is just seeing that it's con pure consciousness because there's the absence of who you think you are. It's always the absence of these things. It's the absence of the me story, the absence of the dualistic perspective, the absence of these brings the freedom. That's the magic of it, you know? The absence of these dense layers, it's like loosening, a whole freeing up. <clears throat> so the cause and effect, just want to emphasize that. You will be forever seeking advantage. <laughs> so have a look, you know? Have a look if you're like, Hmm, I'd like that, or I'd be better off. Oh, that'd be great if that happened. You know, it's like, hold on now. Can you find the cause and effect filter? Can you find the cause and effect filter that gave rise? Because that's as far back as you can go. That's really where it starts. That's the seed of, I would be better off if something outside of me can make me feel whole. It's like, you know? That's the story, no? That's, that's it, you know? But it starts there. It starts there when subject object kicking in and it it's coupled with cause and effect. So these layers, these layers of perception, you know, they, they, they can come in and out. But, but when, when they're understood, I suppose, or all we can do is increase understanding, really, because you are all of it. You're consciousness itself, like, phenomenally. You're all of it. You, but you play at being part of it, and that's how consciousness kind of reflects itself back to itself, trying to find out, what can I do? What can I, what can I look like? What can I experience? And it doesn't give a hoot whether it's poverty, starvation, rape, or, or having a laugh at a movie, you know? All the reactions to it are down here, are down here, you know? That's the richness of the reaction to it, you know? 
Do we have any control over this process? Not at all. <laughs> no, there's no control at all. But as long as you think you have control, then exercise it widely, wisely. Freedom. And I want to hear more about that. About freedom. And, uh, and, and if it is somewhere there, yes. or, is it, or is it successive levels of where is freedom on the map? Yes. Is it in pure perceiving? Yes, it's in pure perceiving. Yes. And I, I seem to have, you know, and, and the Jack character is evolving all the time too, like it's an ongoing workshop, no? How do so, you deal with Jack? Jack, I, Jack kind of faps about doing her thing, you know? Um, <laughs> she doesn't take herself seriously. That was the biggest shift. She doesn't take herself seriously. But it's only her relationship with herself changed. Because once it was seen that I'm not her, well then, she wasn't dismissed or she wasn't... It's just that the relationship with herself was contained within herself, her illusory no self. Not at all. Not at all. She just faps about and really, you know, she's lovely, like, you know, but she's just a piece of energy, you know? Like, I can't kind of... Beef her up because she's just, you know. Yeah. So, <clears throat> where's freedom? Okay, so the Jack character has, has, and, and Mia's consciousness knows that this is bullshit, right? But Mia's the Jack character is going to present this, all right? So, so Jack character is still, has still has the idea that there is a difference between awakening and liberation because phenomenally this is so. Okay? And awakening is, is, is when this breaks down and, and truth is known and the riddle is over. Liberation is when no concept is, is a given, is, runs automatically, runs unseen. No concept. That's a very different gig. And it continues until that. And that's the end of the show. There's pure perceiving. And that there's no concept at all, at all, just automatically running. You know those little subtle ones, those kind of pre-thought thoughts? You know those, those real simple little layers that you don't even see, that you, you, you know, influences your behavior because they're running. Influences what clothes you wear or how, those, those little subtle ones. Even those go. Those, if the behavior is automatic on those concepts, then those concepts are not yet seen. There's no liberation there. Even those concepts have to be seen. And they will be seen. They don't have to be seen. They show themselves. It's like, ah, oh, there's a concept running. And it's influencing behavior or not influencing behavior. Let's see. And that's the shift for the Jack character. That's, 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 that's the layer it got into. That's the only layer that, that, that was running, actually, apart from just stuff that was kind of so out of vision that I have no interest in it at all burns itself out. But that layer is, is, is still ongoing. You know, I'll, I'll just, just I'll, oh my God, there's, there's a behavior that came from an idea that I didn't see when it was running. Yeah. That's, that's what's running, you know? And when that goes, there's pure liberation. And it's like, you, I, I, yet, there, yet there is a seeing of the, the, the concept-making machine has shown itself. There's a total understanding of how the concept-making machine works. Up here, way up here, at this level. But yet it sneaks in some concepts. Creating new concepts, too. Yes. And if, if they can be seen arising, if, if consciousness is conscious of them arising, there's liberation. But when they run, before they're seen, yeah, there's, the evolution will still continue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you, because there, when you, there's a knowing that you were never this, and that, that you as consciousness is, is dream material, when there's that knowing, it's fine, because you, you were never in here. You, you were never in here. That was just the movie that you were trying to get out. But you, you don't get out. You just see you were never in, you know? That's all. You just see you were never... You, God, you were never in that. You were never here at all. Sure. What, what was the big deal? There's no getting out of it, you know? So it's fine, the body dies, liberation comes, it doesn't come, sure, 
She doesn't have me. Like, so it's fine. That's freedom. That's freedom. That's the freedom, knowing that you were never in. It's just an idea running in consciousness. Make sense? Mind playing catch up. That's all I can talk to. <laughs> yeah? Are the dreams of the various clumps of consciousness all the same? Yes. Like it's the same pattern. Yeah. Yes, it's the same pattern. It just has the filters of perception allow, allow subjective views at various points, but it's the same thing. So that's why, that's, that's why um, what Canella was talking about, about the inclusivity of all of it, because it's the same pattern. The thing that differentiates it is, is down here. Is it a layer of perception that burns out? Yeah. All right, we leave it there. Thank you for your time. <laughs>